I, I have a, a, I listen to so many different pastors and, and preachers, and um, I get so much from um, just having other people speak and preach, and I absolutely love it. This message today, I don't always do this, but th- today, this message uh, I heard from a guy named Perry Noble a little over a decade ago, and it really spoke to me. And so I'm, I'm really going to, uh, he, he's, he really helped me outline this, uh, this message and so I want to give credit sometimes when I'm like, hey, sometimes there's a preacher, I, 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 it just, it hits. And when I do that, I want to let you know, hey, this, uh, uh, this message from Perry I heard about a decade ago, God spoke to me through it. it uh, I don't remember very many, I, I listen to messages all the time. I don't remember very many of them, but then there's a few that just spoke to your soul. And so I'm like, all right, we're going we're gonna to rock and roll with this. Um, everybody uh, at, in this scene has to, to bow down and, and worship this statue or face a fiery furnace. And I, I, as I was preparing and thinking about this, I remember an encounter that I had with a fiery furnace uh, one time about a decade ago. Um, our house in Los Alamos uh, used to have the hot water heater um, and furnace was on the outside of the house, like on an outer wall. It wasn't on the inside of the house and there was a, one of these, well, it was a day, kind of, I want to say it was in the, in the springtime because it's going to hit this week like a windstorm hit. And so it was cold outside and that just, you know, just roaring wind coming through like it does in the springtime. Well, it blew the, the pilot light out on, on the uh, hot water heater. And so I did what I normally do, which is like, I'm going to go light the pilot light. But if you know me, I'm not a house guy. I'm not a fix-it guy. I do, I do not know how to do these things. Even lighting a pilot light, is, it can be a, a, a trip for me. But I knew it was on the outside of this house. It's in this panel. It's not in an easy place to reach. So I go and I attack. And again, it's like nasty, cold, and windy. It's just one of those where like, I don't want to be outside. And so I'm trying to reach in and, and, and light this pilot light, you got to press the gas, turn it on, and I'm trying to stick this little tiny match inside of there, and the wind keeps blowing it out, and I can't get it lit. I'm starting to get stressed. I'm starting to get frustrated, um, and I don't know what I'm doing, and so I'm just, you know, just when when you start getting stressed and, and, and anxious about things, and you start getting frustrated, you make some really bad choices, okay? And that's kind of where we're going to be talking about today. We're going to talk about worry and stress and adversity and anxiety and those sorts of things. And, and one of the things is you, when, when, you're, when something goes unplanned or you're not prepared for something, you start to get stressed. When you start getting stressed, you start making dumb choices. So I said, you know what? I, I, the matches that I have, you know, strike a match and the wind blows it out. That's obviously not working. So let's go get the little, uh, the little clicker thing and, and, and we can put that in there. Only it won't quite reach. At least I don't know exactly where this pilot light is or whatever. So here's a great idea. Let's, let's just press that gas button really long and then shove the thing in there and that will for sure light it up. So, um, again, you make dumb choices when you get stressed out. Press the gas button, wait a few minutes, whoosh, I have a giant ball of flame that comes shooting out of this thing towards me. I'm lucky I did not blow myself up with shrapnel uh, from that hot water heater in my face at the time. Um, I walk into the house looking like one of those cartoon characters, uh, and Rita's like, what happened? And I'm like, I got singed hair all the way through on my, on my arms and my eyebrows. I was like, I just did something really stupid. <laughs> um, I tried to light the pilot light, and uh, that's not how you do it. Um, so don't ask me to come over to your house if your pilot light's out, because I might blow your house up. But anyway, um, 
I'm not good with fire. I'm not good with house stuff. And we're going to be talking about stressful situations today. I don't want you to take a stressful situation and make it worse. Um, Today, I'm not going to talk about how to get out of stress. Some of you, if we were to sit down today, you are feeling the weight of the world right now. You're stressed in your marriage. You're stressed at work. Or you might be stressed in your parenting with your kids. You might be stressed in your finances. Uh, we ha- as long as we still have breath in our lungs, there's going to be something that we are stressed about. But some of us have come in here with really heavy hearts. Our souls are, are really heavy. And I, want, I, I don't want to say, well, this is how we get out of stress. Because I don't think I can do that. But I do want to help you walk through it. I, I want to be able to understand where does it come from. It comes from when things are pretty much, when it, we're unprepared or we're unplanned for something. I mean, the whole world had an anxiety attack in 2020 when COVID hit. And we were all stressed and we all handled it in different ways. Some of us grew, some of us, we, we got defeated by that. I want us to be able to walk through our stress. Now, before we jump into Daniel or in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we are going to talk about them, there's two things that we got to nail down. And, and if you don't nail down these two things, the other things that we talk about this morning aren't going to make really any sense. And the first thing is, is that we need to understand, if we're going to walk through our stress, we need to understand that God is good and God is holy. God is good and God is holy. You see the Bible talk about God's character through and through. When it talks about Him being holy, a lot of times it's like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He is perfect. He is set apart. And it was like, oh, we can't just say this once. Like, he is, he's holy, holy, holy. This is who God is. And we got to trust that he's good and that he's holy. Now, a lot of times, um, we'll get pushed back, or maybe you have asked this question. If God is so good, and if God is so holy, then why did this bad thing happen to me? Why did God allow this to happen to me? And if you are asking that question, I'm not going to lecture you for asking that question. I've asked it myself. And, and, and many of you have asked, if you haven't asked that question in your life, you will at some point. So I'm not here to lecture you for asking, asking that question. But a lot of times, and this is what's been true for me, if I look at those situations where I've asked that question, what it really boils down to, the truth is, God was not doing what I wanted him to do. He was not acting how I think he should have acted, which ultimately makes me the object of my worship, not God. And I have to wrestle with that truth. God's God's holiness and God's goodness does not waver on my circumstances. If I'm facing bad situations, he's still good and holy. If, if I'm facing great situations, he's still good and holy. His character does not change based on my circumstances. So I've got to trust that he's good and that he's holy. A lot of times when things go south, we like to, to blame God. And sometimes we question whether or not God's evil. Like, what's he doing? Who is this God? And there's things that, that you know, if you were to talk to my kids, I have to tell my kids no sometimes, believe it or not. My kids want screen time all day, every day, and I have to tell them sometimes, I have to tell them, hey, all right, 
My, my eight-year-old wants a cell phone. He thinks he should have a cell phone with him at all times. And I have to tell him, all right, if my kids were to ever decide to want to be Dallas Cowboy fans, I got to tell them, <laughs> you're tracking with me. Now, when I tell them, hey, we can't have screen time all the time. I mean, Blippy is great, but no more Blippy. all right? No more Ryan's World. That mom is driving me nuts in her voice. I got to say no at some point. Now, if you were to talk to my kids at the right time, they would say, my dad is so mean and so hateful because he told me I'm robbing them of their joy. But we all know a good parent, a good mother, a good father is going to allow sometimes to say no. And there's been times in my life when I feel like God is holding out on me. He might be robbing my joy, and ultimately it comes down to uh, he's not doing what I want, which again makes me the object of my worship. I got to trust. If we're going to go through situations, I got to trust and hold on to this anchor right here. He's good and that he's holy. All right? Second thing. I need to trust God's promises. I need to believe his promises. My, 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 talking about my kids, I, I probably need to pay them every time I use them as an illustration. They make a lot of money. But um, we, we have an upstairs and a downstairs, and we go and we tuck them into bed at night. But there's something about after we've tucked them in, if they've forgotten something downstairs and all the lights are off, all of a sudden, downstairs, you cannot go downstairs alone because of what might be down there uh, waiting for them. It's so dark. So what do they do? They want somebody to go with them. And all of a sudden, when it's me or, or, or Rita to go downstairs, all of a sudden, the darkness isn't as scary anymore. They can, they can go down there and walk through that. And, and part of that reasoning is because th their perception is the power of the person that they're walking with now makes them safe. So if you're a Christian today, here's the promise that you need to believe. The promise that you need to believe is God is with you. That his presence is greater than the problem that you are facing. All right? God has promised, Jesus has promised that he is with you. He said it, even himself, in Matthew 28. Teach these disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you. Say this next word with me. I am with you always, even to the end of the day. You, if you're going to walk through a stressful situation, i got to believe that God is good. I got to believe that, that he is holy. I got to believe his promise that he is with me. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, then the promise is that God wants to be with you. That, like, you, you, we have this happen a lot where people, they, they're, they're not Christians and they come to Freedom Church, they like it here. Well, they're kind of like, I don't know if I want to go to church. Like, I don't, I, I, I'm not a church person. I don't go, you want to go to church? <laughs> you know, that's God kind of, Reach into your soul, trying to pursue you. Say, I want to be with you. I want a relationship with you. But if you've given your life to Christ, meaning, hey, he's my Lord, he's my Savior, he died on the cross for my sins, I can't save myself, I need him, he has promised he is with you, and he is with you always. His presence is greater than your problem, which is why I can walk towards my problem and not run away from it. And this is where... 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego start, starts coming in. The third thing, we need to control our focus. If we're going to walk through stress, if we're going to make it through stress and, and, and walk through it and become stronger on the other side, when we're in the middle of it, we need to control our focus. Because so, too many of us try to control the situation. Uh, just a question here. How many of you would say, I am uh, like a type A person? I am a, a, a detailed, organized, uh, you got color-coded calendar type things, or you have to-do lists. And so if your to-do list isn't to-do, you're kind of stressing out and that sort of stuff. How many of you would say, hey, I'm kind of this, keep your hands up. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. All right. The, and I got my hand up too. These are the most stressed out people. All right. <laughs> we're, we, we have all these things that we're trying to get done. And, we, and, and if, if things don't go according to plan, we get stressed out. And I think a lot of times for myself, God likes to mess with my plans just to show us how little control we actually have. Control is one of the greatest illusions out there. When you sit to think about how little control you actually have, you didn't control who your parents were. You didn't control where you were born. You didn't control when you were born. You could be the safest driver on the planet, and God forbid this would happen, but you could go, someone could run a red light today. We, the control that we have, when we truly think about it, is minimal, which in many cases for myself will drive me to my knees humbly to worship the one who is in control. We need to control our focus in our circumstances instead of trying to control the situation. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were told, bow down. 90 feet, gold statue, bow down or die. They didn't do it. They stood up. And then you have all the little advisors that go over to King Nebi, and they're like, hey, King Nebi, they didn't bow down. They were, they were standing up when they were doing it, because this kind of happened later in, in the stories. You find out these guys are like, they, they weren't doing this, and they weren't doing that, and did you know this, and tattletale this, and they were touching this way, and they were looking at me this way, and they stuck out their tongue and were acting all snotty or whatever. And it says in verse 13, King Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage. Got some anger issues. And he ordered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought before him. And when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true that you refuse to serve my gods and worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance. I'm a nice guy. I'm a fair guy. I'll give you one more chance. One more chance to bow down and worship the statue I made. And when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse you will be thrown immediately into the blazing fire. And this is where he gets probably a little bit, this is where he goes overboard. Takes it just a little bit too far. He says, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? I don't know. I just kind of visualize God in heaven, kind of being like listening in on this conversation. And at that point, it's like, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> like, <laughs> you say, say what? Come again? You want to try that again, Nebby? Listen, the enemy, the enemy will try to control you with pressure, fear, and intimidation. You're going to take a stand, 
And the enemy is going to try to control you with pressure, fear, and intimidation. Now, if I'm these guys, if I'm Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I start to rationalize in my head. Maybe there's a different way to go about this. And with rationalize, when we rationalize, we tell rational lies. Hey, 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 hey. When the music plays, all right, everybody else is going to be worshiping. Let's just bow down, but in our mind, let's, let's sing oceans together, all right? Like, let's just worship in our heart. We'll sing Lion and the Lamb. Who controls the Lord Almighty? You know, they're doing their thing. Let's just kind of, can we do that? Or, or, or. Let's, let's bow down. In the morning, I'll feel guilty. But we've done this before, right? We'll just ask God for forgiveness in the morning because that's what he does. We try to rationalize. Hey, dude, if we don't bow down, we're dead. Who's going to tell these people about Yahweh, the one true God, if we're dead? Mike, if I compromise, I might lose my job. My if I, if, I, if I compromise, I, my career path may be stunted here. I may not be able to progress or even go on. Some of us, we fear unemployment more than we do the Lord. For some of us who are in a dating relationship, and we know we are not supposed to be dating that person. We know that, that we are not to be in this relationship, and this happens so much. But we fear singleness more than we fear the Lord. And there are, there are opportunities for us. We are so focused in on the situation, on the circumstance, rather than Christ. I'm so focused on the circumstance, which drives fear and anxiety and stress and wants me to compromise and I start making bad decisions, or I can focus on Christ. Some of us, we are so focused on the size of our problem rather than the size of our God, and we'll cave in to that temptation. You have a target on your back. We've been talking about this throughout the entire series of Daniel, that the enemy, the enemy wants to crank up the pressure. He does not want you to take steps of faith. He's trying to kill these guys. Three chapters in a row, their life is on the line. He wants to, to steal, kill, and destroy your life is what we're told about the enemy. The enemy is the father of lies. And when we dwell on what's happening around us, when we can't sleep at night and we are replaying that situation, we are replaying that conversation, we are replaying that event over and over and over again, we are allowing room for the enemy to continue to speak those lies in our lives. Listen, you have a choice on what you're going to focus on. Focus on the problem or focus on how big our God is. To, to listen to the lies of Satan or to listen to God in our lives and his perspective on things. To listen to the enemy, you're going to end up focused in on fear. 
which leads to stress and anxiety. To listen to God, you're focused in on faith, which allows you, allows you the opportunity to walk in the freedom that he has. And I'll, I'll say this, there is no middle ground between the two. You are focused on one or the other. They cannot be both happening at the same time. Focused in on Christ or focused in on the situation. This is why, this is why we preach here, get into your Bible. You need to get into the Word. That is God speaking to you, speaking truth, and helping you fight the lies in your life. When Jesus was tempted, when we read about Jesus being tempted, what did he do to get out of that temptation? He quoted Scripture. He quoted the Word. You got to get in the Word. Every, as much as you can, you got to get in the Word and let God speak over you. So what do they say when he says, what God's going to save you? And he cranks up the pressure of that situation. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, King Nebi, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. They pre-decided, which we talked about in week one. They had already pre-decided on what they were going to take a stand on, that they were going to be obedient, they were going to follow God, not follow man. If we're going to be successful in the kingdom, we need to pre-decide ahead of time, not in the moment. This was a pre-decision that they had made. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able, which we serve the same God. Whatever problem you're facing, if you're walking through the fire, you gotta, you got to believe that God is able. He's good. He's holy. He's with you. He's able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. And probably one of the, the strongest scriptures, one of the strongest verses, one of the strongest statements in all of scripture. If you brought your Bible today, we've been telling you, bring your Bible, highlight this one, star it, put it on your mirror this week. But even if he doesn't, even if God doesn't do what I want him to do, we will make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Now, if I'm directing a movie at this point, this would be the perfect time for God who's peering over this conversation, who's like, say what, King Nebi? This would be the perfect time, like cue the white horse and, you know, like, God swooping in to save these guys. I mean, they just took their stand against the king. And this would be the perfect time for God to come in and rescue them. Only he doesn't. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. And he commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Listen, your situation that you're facing when you leave here today, it may not get easier. When you take a stand of faith, when you, when you take a stand against the lies of the enemy, and you say, I'm going to act obediently and follow God, that does not mean access to easy street. It may get seven times hotter. They did the right thing. And it got worse. Think about that. So then King Nebi ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego 
and throw them into the blazing furnace. Verse 21. So they tied them up and they threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and their garments. Underlined, so they tied them up, because we're going to come back to that in a second. Verse 21. Fourth thing, you need to open your eyes. Open your eyes. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied. Highlight that. That's important. Underline that. They're securely tied going into this furnace. They fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we did. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I, I see four unbound and walking in the fire unharmed. Underline unbound and unharmed because we're coming back to that. And the fourth looks like a god. So you have the enemy who's gloating over this situation. What god's going to save you from me and my power? He thinks he's won. He puts him into the fire. And then he's like, one, two, three. Jimbo, how many, how many do we put in there? I see four in there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not see Jesus, did not see God walking in their midst until they were in the fire. I want them to save me before I ever get into the fire. They got tied up and put in there, and that's when they saw Jesus in the fire. You need to open your eyes. If you are in the middle of stress, if you are in the middle of adversity, if you are in the middle of a fire right now in this season, Stop praying for Jesus to get me out of this. And start praying, Jesus, help me to see you in this. This is a hard prayer to pray because I want to follow Jesus closely. And when I follow Jesus closely, I see him clearly. But many times when I'm in the middle of the fire, I don't see him clearly because I'm screaming, Get me out! I need to change my prayer. Help me see you. As a follower of Jesus, as a, as a Christian, and if you're a Christian in this room, in the fire, he's trying to show you something and reveal himself to you in a new way that he hasn't shown himself or revealed to you as he's done before. There's something he's wanting to show you, something he's wanting to speak over you in the middle of that situation. And too many of us are crying, get me out, get me out, get me out, get me out, get me out. And we don't see him standing right there. He's with us. He's with us right there in that situation. For some of us, for, for people who are not Christians in the room, God loves you enough to allow you to go into the fire to get your attention. He did that to me. He's trying to show your, his, himself to you in a new way in the middle of the fire. If we're going to walk through, I need to be saying, God, help me see you more clearly. Help me see you more clearly in this situation. How do I know he's there, Mike? How do I know God's with me in the fire? Because number one and number two, God's good, God's holy, and he's promised he's with you always, even to the end of the age. Last one, it's my favorite, embrace freedom. If we're going to walk through stress and anxiety, I need to embrace the freedom that God has intended for my life. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, back to the verse, came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out! Hold up, wait. 
Wasn't this guy just a few verses ago saying, who's going to stop you against my power? And now he's saying, hey, servants of the Most High God, come on out. Listen, you have people who are watching you walk through your season of adversity. You have people who are watching you walk through the fire. And they will learn more about who this God is through how you are walking through your season of stress and adversity than they will ever get in a seminary theology class. There are people who, I believe this, this is where chains are going to start breaking for some of us here this morning. I'm not preaching this message without I believe God's wanting to heal some people and set some people free. But I believe on the other side of this, there are people who are watching you walk through the fire and they're going to see God and they're going to get saved. They're going to get saved in a month at Easter. They're going to get saved in a year. Why? Because you held on to God. You started seeking God and you started walking through these flames as if I trust God through this situation. I don't like it. I don't want to be here. I, the whole thing stinks. I'm not, I'm not dismissing the pain of the situation, but I'm saying God's more powerful than your problem. And people are going to watch you and they're going to come to know Jesus just like you do because of how you walk through your storm in that season. Now, I told you in verse 25 to un un underline two words, and I'm going to come back to that. It says in verse 25 that I see four men unbound, walking in the fire, unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. These guys walked in, bound up. They tied them up. And the only thing that got touched in the fire, because it said they walked out, no smoke smell. No, no, no burned hair. Ladies, I, I, I don't have this problem, but you, you burn a hair on a curling iron or something like that, that stinks, right? You're like, what the heck's going on in there? Not a smell of smoke. You walked into a restaurant back in the day when they used to have a smoking section and a non-smoking section, and somehow miraculously in between, like the smoke was supposed to stop. No, when you walked in, you walked out smelling like smoke. Nothing. The only thing that went away in the fire was what the enemy had tied to them and bound them up with when they entered. The chains, whatever they tied them up with, it says they came out unbound, free, and unharmed. What God wants to remove in your fire is what the enemy tried to bind you up with. Hello, Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. What the enemy meant for evil, God will take that and turn it for good. Some of us, we need rescue today. We have a God who's good, 
a God who's holy, a God who's powerful, a God who is with you, a God who is able. If you're in the fire, God's not trying to punish you. He's trying to set you free. There's some things that the enemy has tied around you, and I don't know what those things are, but we need to distinguish what we've talked about today. Hey, 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 hey. God's good. God's holy. God's with me. I need to relinquish control. I'm trying to control too much. I'm trying to control outcomes. It's stressing me out. I'm trying to manipulate situations and relationships, and it's just leading to more frustration and anxiety. I need to, I need to, to trust him that he's working in this. I'm crying, get me out, get me out, get me out, get me out. I need to change my prayer. Help me see you, help me see you, help me see you, help me see you. And listen, it may get seven times hotter before this thing sifts, gets out, but I promise you, if you continue seeking, and, and it may go minute by minute the way this thing fluctuates. Help me see you. Ah, I'm losing my mind. Help me see you. Ah, and we're back and forth and back and forth, and it's a roller coaster or whatever, but I'm always going to keep coming back to him. Here, I'm broken. Here's my mess. I'm broken. Here's my mess. I keep bringing it back to him every single time. Help me see you. And I promise you, he's going to help you walk through unbound and unharmed and in the freedom that he's intended for you. So let's stand with this. I've got one more verse that I want to share with you. This is out of Isaiah. Verse 1, chapter 43. But now, Jacob, I'll say church, church family, freedom church family, listen to the Lord who created you. Oh, Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. I don't know who that's for. Somebody here needs to hear that. Your soul. God's speaking to you right now. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you go through the deep waters, I'll be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. And when you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Let's pray. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.